Hello and welcome to The Personal Investor. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, what is on the mind of investors right now? Following a recent live Q&A session recorded with Tom and I, we have a pretty good idea, thanks to dozens of questions submitted by Fidelity customers. We're dedicating the podcast this week to answering some of those questions. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Every so often, we get the chance to tap into the collective consciousness of ordinary Fidelity investors when we invite their questions to the team here. That was the case this week when Fidelity's Tom Stevenson, Emma Lou Montgomery and I took part in a live Q&A broadcast. We received dozens of questions covering a great many topics from the price of gold and the best use of retirement savings to the making of a will and investments for children. We answered loads on the day, but there were many that we couldn't get through. So we thought we'd continue the process here on the podcast this week. And I'm pleased to say that Tom Stevenson is here with me to do just that. Tom, it was, as ever, an insightful exercise, wasn't it? Hearing the views of ordinary investors. Yeah, it always is, isn't it, Ed? I I, I mean, we do this, uh, the two of us do this uh, with my quarterly investment outlook. And that's that's always interesting. Um you know, hearing what people are thinking about, what they're anxious about when it comes to their investments. But this was a broader um, uh, set of topics. We talked about retirement and uh, personal finances as well as investments. and uh, yeah, really, really fascinating to see what people are thinking about. And, and fair to say, uh, the whole exercise was prompted really by appetite for information about what's going on, considering the events of this year and, and on how unsettling it's been. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think there is there's a huge, and we're seeing this. Um, we're seeing this in 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 the the traffic to our articles. You know, um, it's very interesting to see. Um, what subjects people really want to hear about and it's a very wide range of uh, things people are people are anxious not just about their investments but more generally the cost of living is making people think about um, how they manage their their finances and how they plan for the future you know Mm. you know for their for their retirement and, and other longer term goals. Indeed, indeed. Okay, well, I've been through the full list of questions that we received for uh, the webinar that um, we recorded. I'll give some details of that at the end of this conversation. Um, And I've tried to pull out some which speak to the broad themes that appear to be on the minds of uh, investors right now. The first one, Tom, uh, reflects many that we received, uh, and it is this. I am 65 and due to retire next year. My pension pot has been negatively impacted because of the recent turmoil in markets. Do you think it would be advantageous to delay my retirement so my pension pot can recover? Well, this is a really interesting question on on, on lots of different fronts, actually, because, mm. I mean, I think that the first thing that jumped out at me was uh, this, the, this idea of a sort of firm cutoff for retirement. I mean, it sounds, the, the way the question is f- uh, framed, it sounds like this person is going to literally stop working. Um, and and I think a lot of people are um, just wondering whether, A, that's what they want to do, um, uh, because in some ways, you know, psychologically, um, you know, that sudden cutoff is, is difficult for people. Um, but also whether they can afford to do it. And I think, you know, it, undoubtedly in the last few months, uh, a lot of people have had a real shock, um, uh, largely because 
um, something that we talked about in in the webinar actually the, the the way in which pension funds are often sort of skewed towards you know uh, investments which are perceived to be safer uh, as they as you come to the end of your working life as you approach retirement that's often bonds and in the and in the turmoil that followed the September uh, mini budget the bond market in particular was affected and. Uh, I think a lot of people who thought that they were sort of cruising into retirement on a gentle glide path to retirement suddenly had a bit of a financial uh, shock. So I, I guess there is some merit in thinking, you know, do, do I want to delay retirement? But also maybe do I want to just slightly phase retirement if that's possible? I mean, so for some jobs, maybe that's more difficult than others. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people are beginning to think that that's a that's a better way of approaching. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting question. First of all, it it does suggest the fact they're asking whether they should delay retirement suggests they do have the option of doing that if they wanted to. Yeah, that's true. Um, Lots of people won't or they'll just be so horrified at the the idea of working past um, their state pension age that they just don't want to do it. A couple of things I think is worth saying here. Um, This person's 65, so whatever we say, uh, potentially their their options are quite, quite limited at that point. However, the if, if you know for, for younger people or people you know less close to retirement listening to a question like that, it should be a prompt, shouldn't it? That yes, your pension pot is going to be subject to the ups and downs of the markets, but there are things that you can do beyond even just the mix of assets you hold, um, such as uh, building up a pot of cash that can maybe give you a bit of leeway in terms of. Um, those first early years of retirement, maybe a year or two's worth of income so that, fine, your pension pot might be suppressed at the moment, but it does have that opportunity to recover. But also um, to really be on top of your plan for how you're going to turn your pension pot into an income, because um, it's something we covered in the webinar yesterday, rates for annuities are better. So that might change the equation and the thinking and the plans of some people and actually you may not have considered an annuity, but actually right now, maybe it's maybe it's uh, a bit more worthwhile. And just finally on this question, um, you know, should they wait? Well, maybe they should. You know, if you look at what's happened in the bond market, we had the very volatile period post mini budget where things look very, very dire. Actually, it's come back a fair way, hasn't it, in terms yeah, of the bond market? Has, so, yeah. Um, you know, time can be a healer. Yeah. And I guess the one thing I would add to everything that you've just said there, which I agree with, is that, um, you know, maybe this is is the time when actually taking advice mm. makes a lot of sense. Uh, because there are a lot of difficult questions which which people are grappling with and this and uh, and this question indicates that this person is is grappling with these issues and and maybe they're questions which we're not well placed to answer ourselves and 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 you know taking advice might cost a little bit of money but it may be the best money that you actually that you spend indeed indeed okay well let's move on to the next question tom also uh retirement related i think i don't know about you i felt like uh there was a lot of interest uh from people close or or at the point of retirement and uh, this question is, is certainly one of those realistically what do you consider to be a healthy final pension pot to live comfortably during retirement well that is the that's the million do- that's the million dollar question isn't it and you know maybe that's the answer but I don't, yeah. I, I, the the answer is of course that it's different for um for for, for different people and um uh you know you, you, you only you as an individual know what is important to you you know how important is you know 
two foreign holidays a year uh, or are you happy to potter around yeah. uh, at home you know doing what you're interested in and and you know so so th- there isn't there isn't a there isn't a simple uh, answer to that to that question but it's a but it's a really good exercise to go through um and indeed there are there are tools um on our website actually which can help you with this with this process where you can plug in the kinds of uh lifestyle that you want you know you know how often do you want to replace your car yeah how often do you want to go on holiday uh, all of those kinds of things, and and it will give you an give you an indication. It, it, you know, some people say you know, oh, retirement is a lot more expensive than you think. And I've spoken to other people who said, actually, once I've paid my mortgage off, it, it costs a lot less than I expected. So, again, it's different for different people. It's it's it, yes. I think this is a really fascinating question, a simple question. Yeah. And it, you, you you might think it's a simple answer, but actually it opens up a Pandora's box. So uh, I wanted to throw in a couple of sort of sort of broad, the uh, facts, but sort of bits of information. Right. First of all, we can say something practical about um, what do what does a certain sum of pension savings translate to when it comes to income? I would say we can say that if you had £100,000 of pension savings, if you were in drawdown, the rate at which you could sustainably draw that down would be probably between 4 and 5%. Those are commonly used figures. Mm. So £10,000 of savings, about four to £5,000 of income. Mm. If you're buying an annuity right now, you might be able to get a slightly higher level of income from your £100,000, maybe maybe five and a half, but you've got to consider whether that's going to rise with inflation and other protections around annuities. So ballpark, that's the, the sort of level of income you want. Now, you've got to decide how much income do you need? As you've said, all the questions, you know, how many holidays, whatever. What do you need to get to the retirement you want? And then you've got to kind of multiply up that maybe that means 500,000, 600,000, 200,000, whatever yeah. it means, yeah. you've got to do the sums. But as you say, there's this question about whether you can live more cheaply in retirement. Yes, under certain circumstances, the mortgage, you know, how are you paying for housing costs? Have your uh, kids that you've been supporting, have they left home? You know, this won't be a question for everyone, but they will be for some people. Mm. All these things, where are you going to live? You know, what are you going to do with your time? Um, so you can live maybe more cheaply. You might not need the salary that you've been earning in your life. And one factor which I think is really, really important, I, I've, I've sort of looked at this in articles before, uh, which is that for many people when they're working, they're saving. So, yeah, yeah you, you know, a big chunk of their salary, on you know, their pre-tax on paper salary is one figure. But what they actually get for it is a lot less because there's a whole chunk going off into savings, pensions, yeah, ISAs, whatever. Mm. And, and I, I, look, I'm not going to remember off the top of my head, but I, it, you, you might be surprised how you can live basically the same life, basically, give what, you know, you know, these factors depending, mm-hmm. on a much reduced overall income in retirement. Um, and just one final point about this. So you, did, you did sort of get to this when you said that you'll get different answers from different people. It's about actually your frame of mind and it's actually about your your sort of acceptance if i can put it that way about about living more cheaply um valuing things that maybe don't cost money but don't want to be too sort of um mm. sort of i don't know wishy-washy or pious pious or zen <laughs> or whatever about it yeah. but it, you know it, it is about saying well what matters mm. how do i want to spend my time mm. do i have to be as materialistic dare i say yeah as as when i have the money on hand to be yeah. that way yeah Yes, uh, and a couple of other things that I would just add in uh, as well is, is that over the duration of your retirement, uh, the cost of 
your your lifestyle is going to change. Yeah. It may be that to start with, when you know you've just stopped working, you've got lots of energy, you want to travel, you want to see the world a bit, you want to do things that you haven't been able to do because you've been working. Maybe that's a bit more expensive. Then the bit in the middle might start to get a bit cheaper when you know you adopt this sort of more zen style that you've been talking <laughs> yeah. about. And then at the, at the end of your life, it might get more, much more expensive because you might start factoring in care costs Indeed. yeah and the other yeah. thing to, to bear in mind is that you you need to think about inflation as well i mean you know when people buy annuities the temptation of course is to is to is to buy the cheapest annuity which is the one which doesn't rise with inflation yeah. which doesn't hand on any money or doesn't continue paying your spouse for example after you've died that's a big temptation because you get a big nice big income to start with but you've got to really think about it whether that's the right answer for you yeah okay Okay, well, let's move on. Tom. Okay, the next question, Tom. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give some sort of qualifications to. <laughs> the question is, is Bitcoin a good investment? Elon Musk has invested. And indeed, mm. he has. So I'll set the scene a little bit. Um, clearly, if anyone's familiar with any of the discussions around cryptocurrencies in general and Bitcoin, it's, uh, it's very online, that discussion. It's very polarised. There are people who believe it's all nonsense. There are people who believe it's the only thing you should ever put your money in, right? Um, and I don't think we're really here to answer that, that question. I should, would say cryptocurrency is here to stay. Um, certainly, lots and lots of people are taking it very, very seriously, including Fidelity. Um, I wanted to look at this from the point of view of really assessing it as an asset from the point of view of investment, looking at how it's moved, its volatility, mm. other things we can say about it. What mm. would you say, Tom? Yeah, well, I mean, there are lots of different ways of of looking uh, at, at the whole sort of crypto um, picture. I would agree with you. I think it is here to stay. Uh, I think these sort of decentralised uh, currencies, um, you know, map out a potential future for the way that, that, that money is managed uh, in, in future. Um, what that means in terms of the value of individual currencies is a completely different question. It may well be that that infrastructure is in place and there may be different ways of investing in that, um, investing in the infrastructure for it rather than investing in the currencies um, itself. So, so I think there are lots of unanswered questions there. I think if you just look at the recent history, if you just look at the last year, for example, you know, it's very easy to say cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and others have been a really bad investment in the short term. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen <laughs> uh, from here? But just self-evidently over the last year, they have not been um, uh, they've not been a good diversifier, um, which is one of the things that people say about them. They've not been uh, a good hedge against inflation, which is something that, that people have said about them. They have been a volatile, risky asset. And they've fallen a long way. That's n that's not to say anything about what the future holds for them. Indeed. And well, Tom, look, you are talking to someone who remembers sitting in a newsroom about ten years ago, when uh, Bitcoin was, I think, at about five hundred dollars, saying, "Oh my God, what idiot is going to pay five hundred dollars for this meaningless thing?" Um, I think the price now is about sixteen thousand, and that's after an absolutely monumental fall. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was sixty thousand. It was sixty, sixty-five thousand dollars mm. a year yeah. ago, slightly more than a year ago. Um, and the, the point about volatility, so so that's all by the way of, of saying that I have no idea where the price of these currencies is going to go. But 
Um, if you look at the the falls in the last year, sixty five percent, seventy percent fall in the price of Bitcoin. Now, some big company shares will do that as well. I mean, I think Meta shares have done have done that. Tesla shares have, have, have dropped huge amounts. Um, but the point is, you would never say to someone, "Put all your money into." Facebook, put all your money into Tesla. You just wouldn't do that. You would be diversified. And, and just the volatility should really mean that putting all your money into cryptocurrencies, it's, it's not going to be the the correct course for many people at all. Just that level of volatility is, is, is really difficult to handle. The second thing to say is that that price we saw a year ago of $65,000, um, Clearly, there was some bubble activity, to say the least, there was some bubble activity going on there. A lot of froth, a lot of FOMO in, in that price. And, um, you know, to, because I mean, you've made this point so many times uh, over the years, Tom, it's fallen 65% since then. To get back to that, it's got to go up 300%. You know, it's got to quadruple, quadruple mm. in, in price from where it is. Mm. So... Um, you know, that's what you're up against if you're expecting it to get back to where it was. So the point you make about, well, what is the long-term investment case? What is the fair value? We just don't know yet because we've got to get through all this sort of bubble phase, frankly, mm. um, so that we do begin to understand how it's going to um, behave vis-a-vis the stock market or the bond market because we don't really know that. At the moment, it just looks like a very risk-on asset, if there's lots of spare capacity for savings, if there's lots of, you know, sort of fervent appetite for it, it can go really, really high. But Yeah, yeah. And and even when it settles, you know, you're going to have the same problem that you have, for example, with gold, where because gold doesn't pay an income, it's very difficult to value gold. Mm. You know, because, you know, you can, you, with, with, a, with an asset that, that pays you an income, there is a calculation that you can do. You can, you can compare it to other um, uh, risk-free assets, like, like a, or more, more risk-free assets, like a government bond, uh, for example, or cash. Um, uh, you can compare the income that you get from that, and that can help you arrive at a sensible valuation for that asset with something like gold and with with a cryptocurrency you don't have that so there is always going to be an element of finger in the air when it comes to to, yeah. to valuation and that's a and that's just another good reason for for making sure that you're not overexposed to an asset like this in a diversified portfolio there may well be a place yeah. I, you know i think there is a place for all of these things for gold for, for yeah for I, I invest in gold and, yeah. and, and and it doesn't produce an income you know yeah. um and just one last thing about about this before we move on it's the, it's the it's the elon musk factor in this elon musk has invested the question says indeed he has um and that really speaks to the fact that that, as I said, the discussion around crypto is very, very, very online, and it's very, uh, very much through the prism of social media, of YouTube, and what have you. That isn't a great place to get your investing information because social media is run by algorithms. You're being served up information that confirms your view mm. all the time. Mm. That is not a very um, it's not a great environment to be getting your information from, so you should yeah. bear that in mind as well. Yes, well, that's a really good point about uh, not relying on information which confirms your existing prejudices. As an investor, one of the best things you can do as an investor is to seek out opposing views and to and to and to 
assess them, weigh them up against your views, and that's how you that's how you'll arrive at a at a better understanding of the situation. And social media is really bad for that. Yeah, indeed. Okay, well, let's move on to because I want to get a few a few more questions. Um, the next one is this: Which parts of the market, let's call that the stock market, do you see surviving and perhaps growing during and beyond this downturn? So, I guess defensive investments. Well, I, I think, um, yes, defensive investments perhaps in the short term, because I think we are, we are moving into a, what I suspect will be quite a difficult year from an economic perspective. Uh, I think we're definitely going to be in recession on this side of the Atlantic. There's a bit more of a question mark over whether the US gets away with not having a recession or whether it also goes into recession. So I think, you know, being a bit defensive uh, over the next six months or so probably does make make good sense, but I don't think the I don't think the question is really talking about that. I think if you look further further out, if you take a longer term view, you know I think there are some some trends which are you know uh, sit above the economic cycle. You know, so for example, I think that you know a huge amount of investment over the next. 20, 25, 30 years is going to go into rebuilding, reshaping the energy infrastructure of the world, making it more resilient, um, uh, making it um, more sustainable, uh, greener, um, reducing our dependence on maybe um, uh, other um, regimes that we don't want to be dependent on. Um, mm. You know, that's self-evident this year. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the energy transition is a huge investment uh, opportunity, which I think is partly what this question is 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 aiming at. What are what are the long term themes and trends which 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 we can focus on? Okay, okay. Well, let's move on, Tom. A slightly related question, I suppose. Uh, given the gloomy UK economic outlook, should I be looking and focusing more on overseas markets for better investment opportunities? And if so, which? That's a very timely question because I've actually just um, uh, I've just sent off my latest column to the uh, to the daily telegraph on this very subject um talking about about the uk um and whether the uk and there was a question yesterday in the, in the webinar which which said on the assumption that the uk is going yeah. to be very difficult and i and i questioned the assumption because actually i think that you know there are there are two elements when you're considering an investment there are two elements one is the the the, the investment narrative the story you know is it going to be a difficult time for the uk yes it is the second part of the equation though is and what price are you paying for that and the fact of the matter is that the UK is one of the cheapest markets at the moment the FTSE 100 index uh, trades on about nine times expected earnings now that is cheap against recent history Um, the UK normally uh, costs you more than nine times earnings Um, you know it's maybe 25% cheap on that basis it's roughly half as expensive as the US market which is Mm. trading on uh, uh, a multiple of earnings of about 16. So, you know, I think to an extent, there's a price for everything. And I think things are going to be difficult in the UK. But I think there's some really interesting investment opportunities in the in the UK. The way I actually looked at it in the in the piece that I've just uh, referred to, uh, was to look at investment trusts. Because um, investment trusts are, are an interesting uh, investment vehicle. They have they have elements which make it uh, possible to, to 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 ramp up your returns when things 
start to go up again. Yes. And that's why I'm interested. And, and so what they allow you to do is, for example, to buy the shares in an investment trust when they trade at a discount to the underlying value of the assets in the in the um, in in the trust. And there are many UK investment trusts at the moment which are trading at big discounts, maybe 10 percent difference between the share price and the and the net asset value. And they're, they're, they're offering high yields. They're off. They're trading at a discount. And many of them have grown their dividends for many years. You know, so I think there's some interesting opportunities there. And just I'll just nudge you on the sort of the other parts of that question, which was about overseas markets as yeah. well. I mean, um, you, you, you have confidence in the UK, potentially. Mm. But do you have confidence in any other markets? Well, I think there are other markets which are um, which have a similar valuation uh, attraction. So I think Japan falls into mm. that category. Japan is an interesting Japan um, again. It, it always falls into that category, yeah, doesn't it? Well, it does. But but I think what's interesting about Japan is it's not just a valuation story. The thing about Japan is um, uh, we we came out of the pandemic, you know, a couple of years ago or eighteen months ago. Um, and, you know, we saw you know, a, a big uh, expansion in the economy. People started spending again. People started traveling again. Japan didn't really have that because they were they were slower to come out of the pandemic. They didn't really do a good job of the vaccination program. They are now coming out. They're opening up. Japan is opening up to tourism again. Um, and uh, so I think that, that Japan is at a totally different stage in its economic cycle. Mm. And its stock market is quite cheap. So I think that's quite an interesting combination. Okay, okay. Let's uh, move on. Uh, The final question, actually, Tom, um, and also about uh, investment options, I guess. I have 40,000 to invest in ISAs, I guess, this year and next year, maybe they could do that. I'm not so interested in growth, but would like some advice on a medium risk investment providing a regular monthly income, notwithstanding the fact that we're not giving advice. What's the answer to that question about income investments? Well, there are many, many interesting um, income opportunities. Actually, I mean, I've just talked about them. Uh, I mean, that 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 answer about um, UK focused uh, investment trusts is is not a bad answer to that question, uh, because the UK market actually is um, not only is it cheap, but it also has one of the highest uh, dividend yields. Mm. Um, uh, you know the FTSE 100 is yielding about four and a half percent at the moment, and I think that that equity income is going to become increasingly interesting um, as we move through the recession. Because I I anticipate that um, as we go into recession, inflation is going to come down quite quickly. I think interest rates will follow inflation down, and in that uh, environment. Um, uh, yield is going to become more valued and, and more uh, interesting. And I think that um, the UK as a high yielding market um, offers some. In- and so if, if, if this questioner is, is, is less interested in growth, then I think, you know, equity income looks looks quite interesting. And it's not just shares, actually. You you can actually get a, you know, a, a, a decent income from other sources now as well. I was going to say. Bonds, cash even. You know. 4.9% if you're willing to tie your money up for five years which is a long time for a cash account but nonetheless 4.9 percent wow yeah Yeah. it's been a very long time since that's been the case yeah exactly and um yeah i mean the the the, the, yeah the cash question is interesting isn't it because you know if if they're genuinely if they're genuine in what they say about not being interested in growth then invest in the cash you know you can get cash for 4.9 percent why not yeah um 
It's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because we have this inflation issue at the moment. I was looking at cash, so a bit of a tangent to the question, but uh, cash savings 4.9%. That's amazing. Haven't seen those rates for years and years and years. Mm. Inflation at 11%. Yeah. That's a big difference. Look, you, you could go back a year ago when cash savings rates were on the floor, yeah. but that difference to inflation was much less than it is now. Yes, but you know what? I would be very surprised if inflation was 11%. Yeah, it, it might be a time. bit of a steal, 4.9% I on think cash. So. I yeah. think so. Okay, anyway, Tom, we've answered loads of questions there. Thank you so much for coming in to answer those. Um, it is all the time we have for now. And uh, for listeners, you will be able to watch the live webinar Q&A that we recorded yesterday at some stage soon, I'm, I'm, I'm assured. But uh, you'll just have to keep an eye on the markets and insights section at fidelity.co.uk. But for now, thanks for listening. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.